Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. Okay, AIM. I have a weird one for you tonight. A weird one? Weird good or weird bad? I guess you can decide. You let me know by the end. Weird good or weird bad. Okay. Well, I don't know what the topic is, so let's start there. We'll get there. I'm going to hold you in suspense a little bit longer. I was going to say, we're not going to start with the topic? Okay. So I was going to do female outlaws and keep my series, my mini series going. But? But I thought I'd mix it up. I am going to go back and do female outlaws. Lovely. But not tonight. So I've mentioned this before. We keep a running list of topics anytime we get a suggestion or if one of us has an idea. Yeah. We add it to the list. So I went to the list for tonight. Oh, that's so nice. I'm glad that we keep the list then. And so I start doing this topic. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong that this was a Dan suggestion that he put on the list. Okay. So if it is, Dan, this one is for you. Oh, so sweet. And if it wasn't your idea, I still hope you enjoy it. (laughs) I hope Dan's out there listening being like, oh. (laughs) All right. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about sewage systems. (laughs) Why? I mean, yay. I'm so excited to learn about sewage systems, but this was on the list. It's definitely a Dan topic. This was on the list. Yes, it was on our list. I just thought it'd be, it's one of those things, right? Where you use it every day. Most of us probably don't think about it unless you have an issue with it. Yeah, that's fair. But maybe we should all just have a basic understanding of how it works. I actually think this is a really great topic because, like, when else am I going to learn about this? I mean, unless I become, like, a city planner or something, I'm not often talking about sewage systems, but I have recently become a camper, and now they're more important to me than ever. Right. And I'm sure, what's that show, How Stuff Works? I'm sure there's probably an episode. I did not look that up, so don't hold me to that. But when you're ready to become Amy Brandanowitz... (laughs) <laughs> You'll understand how the sewer system works. I would love to be Amy Brandanowitz. I'm sure my husband's feelings would be so hurt, but what a dream. <laughs> he was a little cardboard for my taste, but still. I always liked him. For those who don't understand the reference, it was a character very early in the series of Parks and Recreation. He was the city planner. So I just mean like if Amy becomes the city planner, not if she leaves her husband for a fictional character. Right. Because that would be a leap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, sewage systems. The need for sewage systems. (laughs) This is going to be a tongue twister the whole time. Say that three times fast. Sewage systems, sewage systems, sewage systems. That's actually very hard. I'm leaving all this in. This whole episode is going to be riddled with me screwing up sewer systems. Will this have a bloopers reel? So the need for sewer... The need for sewage systems began to arise as people started living in more permanent and larger communities. So way back at the beginning of time, you have people who are living in their small clans, they're hunter-gatherer, forager, they're moving around, they're migrating. Mm -hmm. As people start to stay in larger communities and stay in one spot, now we have to deal with the problem of what do we do with all this waste? Right, because you're not moving to a different campsite to dig a new hole every day. Right. So the first sanitation facility was the sump or cesspit that appeared in Babylon around 4000 BC. 
Oh, wow. Basically think like a giant dirt swimming pool where all the waste would go. So the Babylonians had developed a basic hydraulic system for the transport of water, and they applied this technology to move waste into these sumps or cesspits. Interesting. So they had basically troughs or canals running through, and they would take buckets of water to flush the waste down these troughs. And in some, they even add actual clay pipes for all of this to move through into these giant pits. And then in what is now modern day Pakistan, there was the first latrines inside of buildings that were connected to these sewer systems. And again, you would dump your bucket of water to flush the waste down and it would either go into one of these sumps or into a nearby river. That's pretty advanced given that beyond them, people were still putting waste in the streets. Yeah, and we'll get to that. Okay. However, now we have a new problem, right? Because now we're putting waste into our waterways. Oh, yeah, okay. So in some cultures, for example, in ancient Greece, they routed their sewer systems to a dumping site on the outskirts of town, and then farmers would use the leftover solids for fertilizer. Okay. Very industrious. Right. Completely unrelated to sewage systems. (laughs) But I'm reading this article, and it says the outskirts of town. And for the rest of the afternoon, I cannot stop singing Fancy by Reba McIntyre. Yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind when you said just that phrase. I might have been born just plain white trash, but Fancy is my name. No more. That's less than six seconds. We don't have license. <laughs> but for anyone who's not familiar with the song, the specific lyric about outskirts is, we lived in a one-room rundown shack on the outskirts of New Orleans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, And then it goes into the part I just sang. So honestly, we set that up well. Perfect. We set it up perfect. Okay, back to sewers. So now we have all these systems. Let's talk about hygiene. So now we're polluting our water, right? In some cases when we're not using these sumps. Sure. During the Roman Empire, regulations were put into place to separate wastewater and clean water. A sewage system was created in the street. Amy, this makes me think of Disney. Yeah. And the brown bricks. Toilets also would start to get higher in this period versus just squatting over a hole in the ground. We start to get actual toilets to sit on. And until 100 BC, we would continue to throw our waste just out into the street. Out into the street. Can you imagine the stench? Ugh. We're going to talk about that too. Wow. It's like I'm teeing you up and I didn't even know. I know. During the same time, another improvement was made in gray water. So gray water is things like your leftover water from cooking or bathing. Mm Mm-hmm was separated from sewage water. So now gray water and sewage water are being separated. Okay. And just a note that I thought was really interesting, thank you to wearewater.org. Sewer water was mainly avoided because of the unpleasant smell, not because we have any awareness yet of how dirty microbially, Uh and microbially I don't think is a real word. I think that's an alias. But I'm following you. But you understand what I mean. Yes. We don't understand the bacteria that's living in the ick. Right, exactly. Microbially. Microbially. Microbially? <laughs> say it again. Micro- my- now I'm not going to be able okay, to say well, it. Microbi- we're going to have to practice it if it's an alien. On a microbial level, we don't understand how disgusting wastewater is. <laughs> okay. One weird thing that's now going to happen is apparently 
The human race is just going to forget all these advances that the Romans made, and we're going to go into the Middle Ages. Ah, see, this was my question. How did we go from clay pipes to poop in the street? The Middle Ages happened. That's what happened. Okay. A few cities would retain sewage systems, but walled-up cities favored cesspits, you know, the big holes. Mm -hmm. And because of this, rats thrived. And that's when we start getting the epidemics of cholera and the plague. (gasps) That's right. The rats. Yeah. And rural areas were actually much more hygienic because they would just dig holes in the ground, bury their waste, dig a new hole. And it's not going into any waterways. It's not accumulating anywhere. It's not attracting the rat volume. Yeah. While Europeans are living in filth, Arabic cities were separating rainwater and gray water and wastewater. And gray and wastewater each had separate piping systems to take them out of people's homes. Nice. So the Arabic communities are getting it right, and Europeans are just living up in their walled-in dink factories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Official term, walled-in dink factories. Yes. So a gross but interesting fact was that progress was made in hydraulics, and in the mid-17th century, beautiful fountains, ponds, canals are created for Louis XIV. However, None of this technology was applied to the sewage system, and people continued to live in filth and just throw their waste into the streets. Priorities. I guess. So then we get to the 1830s, and London was unbearable because of the stink that came from the city. Wow. There were also multiple cholera epidemics and high death tolls. And finally, in 1847, Dr. John Snow reached the conclusion that cholera was caused by drinking water that had been contaminated with waste. Oh, good job. So somebody's starting to put it together. A few years later, research carried out by Louis Pasteur, who we should all recognize that name, provided scientific confirmation to Dr. Snow's theory. There were microorganisms present in wastewater which caused cholera and typhoid fever. Because of this... Legislation was changed, and cesspits slowly were phased out to be replaced by septic tanks. Okay. And we'll talk about septic tanks later. One of the first cities that was constructed, or actually reconstructed, with a whole new sewage system, with a single drain circuit, meaning it's all connected together, Mm -hmm. was Hamburg after a large fire destroyed a quarter of the city. So a large portion of the city burnt down. They took the opportunity to modernize the sewage system. Okay. So then we get to 1914, and engineers Edward Arden and William T. Lockett discovered active sludge, which I'll go into more detail later, because it's one of the water treatment systems we still use today. Is it like the enzymes in the septic tank process? Very close. Very close. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's move to modern day. What do sewage systems look like today? Pipes. Yes. Pipes are involved. Good job. (laughs) So there are three types of sewer systems. I'm excluding septic tanks. I will cover septic tanks. The first type is a sanitary sewer. These have smaller pipes, typically 6 to 12 inches, that carry waste from your home or any other building to larger pipes in the street. PSA, and this is a very important PSA, These pipes are only designed for toilet paper and waste. When you flush things, like quote-unquote flushable wipes, any female sanitary products, 
goldfish. Like oh. dead goldfish. I was not expecting goldfish on the list, but I understand. Anything that's not toilet paper or human waste causes snags and backups in the system. So everybody stop doing it. No judgment if you love your butt wipes. I love a good butt wipe. Garbage can. Yep. I feel like that's pretty standard practice, but maybe some people don't know that. So It's not good. Especially not good if it starts to back up pipes under your house, because then guess who gets to replace all that? Yeah. All right. There's my PSA. Don't flush anything that's not toilet paper or waste. So then all these pipes, they carry the sewage to a treatment facility. Surprising fact, what do you think is the main mechanism that helps sewer systems work? Gravity. Yes! Yeah, I know that one. So simple. I think it's just so crazy. It's just so simple. Gravity. Because of this, treatment plants are usually in lower-lying areas, so all the waste can move down to a treatment plant. However, there's some areas where this is not possible, so they have pumps and things to get the water where it needs to go. Although apparently, interesting fact, these pumps can sometimes be very dangerous, and they're often way out away from any of the population because certain gases could build up, and they're prone to exploding. Oh my goodness. Who would have thought? Yeah. It was in a couple of the articles I read. I don't know if there's... I didn't specifically go into any more detail of the exploding pumps. So I don't know if there's some mechanisms today that help reduce that. But like I said, several articles mentioned they use the pumps only as needed because they are prone to exploding. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. So our next type of sewer system are the storm sewers. These are the pipes that carry rainwater, melting snow, environmental water to streams, rivers, or other waterways without treating it. These are what storm drains and those ditches with the big pipes. Mm. These are what all those do. This is where Uncle Eddie puts his sewage, which is wrong. So this is my next PSA. Because these flow directly into our waterways, you should never put anything down a storm drain. Oh my God, Al, it's like we're on the same wavelength tonight. We're synced up with the sewers, yeah. You do know Uncle Eddie, right? Yes, Christmas Vacation. No, I haven't seen that movie. Allison! (laughs) I can't. If there's anything you guys have learned about me, if it's not a horror movie, I probably haven't seen it. Anyway, Uncle Eddie is in Christmas Vacation. He pumps his wastewater from his RV into the sewage system, which is a no. Big no, because it's going directly into our rivers, lakes, wetlands, and could be killing our wildlife. Can we take a pause and just appreciate that you just said a good part of don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> uh, I did take it. Into the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's all I could hear. If we're going to talk about fancy, we got to talk about it's don't go chasing waterfalls. Night on 24-Hour <laughs> Expert. Okay. So there's my other PSA. Don't put anything down storm drains. Don't do it. Yeah. Also, doesn't that clown live down there? Yeah, thank you. Pennywise is down there. Just don't go near it. Yeah. I don't know what more incentive you need. (laughs) Okay, third type of sewer system is the combined system. This is a system that carries both waste and water runoff, again, rain, snow, etc., to a treatment plant. These are not ideal because if there's a big weather event, think days and days of heavy rain, These pipes are likely to overload, so Mm. now mixed water is overflowing into the streets, overflowing to rivers, overflowing, Mm. and it can get into our drinking water, or it can start backing up into homes, buildings, and like I said, it's a mix, so there's poop in there. 
Ew. How is this determined? Were, like, mixed system used at the beginning and then split systems came about? Or is it, like, per city? Is it just I think Yeah, I think it depends on the city, the location, yeah. when systems were put in, all that kind of stuff. But do you remember, oh, gosh, five years ago or so, one of the towns in our area had a big flood. And a friend of mine lived in an area where everything backed up and her whole basement, like, backed up with this. Oh, I Rain, sewage, that. water. Yeah. So I didn't specifically go look up that city and see what kind of sewage system they have. But reading this made me think, huh, I wonder if they're a combined system and that was the problem. I wonder. Interesting. Things we would have never thought about if you didn't teach us about sewage systems. Yeah. Real quick, we'll touch on septic tanks and then we will move on to the fun stuff like treatment plants. <laughs> you are really staging this up. We're going to learn how the water gets clean. What's more exciting than that? I appreciate that? it. I am very interested. I just imagine a big, like, uh, pasta strainer at the treatment plant. So I'm sure it's more official than that. Yeah, not quite a pasta strainer, but I guess kind of close. Okay. Okay, so septic tanks. A septic tank is a watertight container, usually made of concrete, fiberglass, or polyethylene. It is buried underground, and all the water that runs out of your house goes into the septic tank. The tank holds the water long enough to allow solids to settle at the bottom, and that's called sludge. Mm -hmm. And then the oil and grease float to the top, and that's called scum. And I love both those words, sludge and scum. Sludge and scum. Honestly, very accurate. Yes. Then the middle part, not the sludge or the scum, the middle part is my word, not the official word. Okay. Is the liquid wastewater that then exits the tank, and there's certain valves and t-shaped things that prevent the scum and the sludge from exiting the tank so the wastewater exits the tank into a drain field it's filtered through the drain field and then ultimately discharged as groundwater okay so if there's too much liquid it can flood causing the sewage to flow out into your ground or back up into your toilets and sinks oh you ready to talk about treatment plants i'm ready to talk about treatment plants So the first stage of water treatment, which is known as the primary treatment, works similar to a septic tank. It allows solids to settle out of the water to form sludge and scum. The solids are then collected and disposed of by either landfill or incinerator. And so picture a screen and then a set of just pools or ponds. So it goes through the screen, sits in these pools and ponds, separates out. Some water treatment plants only do this, and then they treat the water with chlorine to kill any bacteria, and then they discharge the wastewater. Wow. That doesn't seem official enough. Most do the second step as well. So the next phase would be the secondary treatment, which removes organic materials and nutrients with the help of bacteria. So kind of like what you were talking about, Amy. And this is where that active sludge that our engineers that I mentioned earlier comes in. So the bacteria helps clean out all the organic material and nutrients from the water. And then the water flows. Also, I'd like to pause for a moment here just to acknowledge what a cool use of bacteria this is. Yeah. How efficient. I love it. I love it so much. So then after the bacteria do their job, the wastewater flows to another settling tank where the bacteria are settled out, basically. And this phase removes 90% of all solids and organic materials from the water. 
Wow. So between phase one, phase two, we've now got 90% of our solids and organic materials out. Wow. So the last stage or the tertiary treatment will vary depending on the composition of the wastewater, which is usually dependent on the location. Okay. Where is all this happening? But typically this third stage uses chemicals to remove phosphorus and nitrogen from the water. And then chlorine may be used to kill off any remaining bacteria. Interesting. Yeah. And then there's certain, I didn't list them all because there's a bunch depending on if you do two phases or three phases, it's all different. But there is a whole set of criteria that the water has to meet before it can leave the plant. I have never put this much thought into it, but I am appreciative of the steps that it takes to get to that phase. Yes. And in the United States, typically at least the first two steps are required for all treatment plants. The third step really boosts up the cost of cleaning out all this water. Sure. But minimally, you're getting at least the first two. And like I said, that takes care of 90% of everything that's in there. And an interesting fact is that some treatment plants are moving... Actually, let me take that back. A fun fact, some treatment plants are moving away from using chlorine because it may have adverse effects on aquatic life if it's not dechlorinated before leaving the plant. As an alternative... They are using ultraviolet radiation because it can disinfect without leaving any residual in the water. Wow, science. I love stuff like that. Yes. And just some alley background, when I worked as a microbiologist, I worked out of a hospital and certain, like a bench is what they call your workspace in the lab. So in the lab at the hospital, they actually had certain benches that were for completely sterile things that you had to do. Okay. And they would have ultraviolet lights on these benches. So you couldn't have them on when you were working because obviously it'd start like destroying all your cells. But when you weren't working at the bench, you flip a light and it kept an ultraviolet light on the bench to keep it completely sanitized. Wow. I feel like all I have said this episode is wow and interesting, but I believe that these are things that are wow and interesting. Very wow and interesting. And then another cool thing that they do with ultraviolet light, when I left working at the hospital, they were starting to install these and they've only gained popularity because of the pandemic, but they actually put ultraviolet lights in duct systems. So it kills and filters everything going through all the duct work, all the vents. around in the air. Yeah. I was going to say, how? where would you position them to kill things in the air? The ducks make so in much the ducks. sense. And then you don't have to worry about anybody because obviously you can't be exposed to it because it'll start right. breaking apart all your DNA. But <laughs> just it, that. Yeah. Just that little thing. Just, I mean, no big deal. So they'll put ultraviolet lights in the duck system to clean the air. Wow. I can't. I can't stop saying wow. I am so sorry when we're editing this. That's all you're going to hear me say. But I am just amazed. Science is cool. So there's some science and alley then, fun facts then for I you. I think, okay, so the Romans built pipe systems and then we decided, mm, screw that and we're just going to throw poop in the street. And then I think those same people thought, let's put ultraviolet lights in the ducts to kill the floaty air bits. Uh, sometimes, you know? It, you know, sometimes it's two step forward, one step back. You know? we got to figure it out for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So I want to give a huge shout out to all the water and wastewater treatment plant system operators. And I have some job facts. Okay. I went to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And if you have any interest in being a water treatment plant system operator, in 2021, the median pay was $47,880 per year. 
or $23 per hour. You need a high school diploma or equivalent, and there is long-term on-the-job training provided. As of 2020, there was 122,100 job openings. So if you're looking for something to try. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. I want to end with some rapid fire fun facts about wastewater management. Who knew the wastewater management was so fun? Right? Okay. There are 600,000 miles of sewer systems in the U.S. I wanted my I wanted to say wow. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Most sewer systems have a 50-year life expectancy before they need to be replaced or upgraded. That feels short, but okay. Treatment equipment, so in the plants, has a life expectancy of 15 to 20 years. Oh, wow. In 2012, the U.S. spent $102 billion building and updating wastewater treatment plants, $95 billion on installing and repairing sewer pipes, and $48 billion in combined sewer overflow corrections. Sounds like a good investment. Those are massive amounts of money, but hopefully put to good use. Yes, exactly. Well, and all this preventative maintenance helps from having any big catastrophes. Sure. After stabilization, more than half of qualified biosolids can be applied to agricultural sites, forestry applications, and urban park areas. So more than 50% can be reused you in can reuse other efforts. Yes. Oh, talk about going green. Yeah, or brown. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> According to a National Academy of Sciences study, the country's coastal cities could increase their water supply by 27% with treated wastewater. And a shout out to Florida. Florida leads the nation in reusing water with approximately 719 million gallons of reclaimed water used for beneficial purposes each day. Good for Florida. Good job, Florida. All right, Amy, hopefully that's everything you could want to know about sewage systems. Do with that what you will. And so much more. Thanks for letting us talk at you. If you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's our website, our Instagram, and our Facebook. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes.